Good morning from New Zealand, Steady. How are you, mate? Good, man. How are you, Matt? I'm fantastic. The day has dawned bright and sunny, so one cannot complain. So, um, welcome to our first podcast. Yay, we finally made it. We've, well, we'll press play. <laughs> we'll press record. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. So, um, for those of us who haven't seen us before, um, fair enough, this is our first podcast. You're allowed to have not seen us before. Um, we go, we've, we've sort of talked through a format that we're going to run through. So, um, it might work. It might be completely awful as well. So bear with us. <laughs> um, our first um, thing that we're going to do every week, though, is um, we're going to talk about our wins of the week, which is pretty cool because we're both business coaches uh, and we deal with a bunch of people and a whole bunch of different stuff happens. So we'll start with that and then we'll um, talk about um, our topic of the day, which I think that practically every single business owner will find useful, to put it mildly. So, wins of the week. You go first, Teddy. What's, uh, what's your big one of the week? Big one of the week was a recruiting. Uh, I've had a client that's been spending a couple of years in a really tight labor market for physical therapists, not really getting anybody. And now he has three candidates on that he's um, have it not only applied, but made it through the first uh, screening and phone interview and stuff and are, and are actually going through for interviews. So, um, from those three, we hope he's going to find one that's a great fit and be able to bring him on, but or her, depending on which candidate it is. But yeah, that that was a big deal, and all that came about through kind of reordering and crafting and and remessaging on the job posting. Awesome, well done. How about you, mate? Um, I deal with a whole bunch of different businesses, as you know, but one of them is a motorcycle shop, and they have three dealerships, um, not far from where I live, and. I've been working with this guy for, this is our 13th year together. Um, when I first met him, his business profits were below the red line. They were not flash. Um, and he just made, uh, well, for the last four years, he's made more than seven figures uh, in, in net, net profit. So, uh, and we count net profit here in his context as tax paid um, money that he can choose to take out of the business without paying any more tax on it. So it's actually for him, it's tax paid. It's um, it's not EBIT earnings before interest, interest in tax. It's um, just earnings. So how much he can actually take, and he's um, made more than seven figures. Anyway, um, he'd be having some real stock problems, and I worked with him on a strategy to phone up his suppliers and say, "Hey, listen, you need to supply me. I'm the biggest dealership around and you actually need to look after me. And if you don't, I will go somewhere else and I will buy bikes off someone else. Uh, and we realized that in order for him to sell more, um, he has to service it. Well, when, he, when he sells a bike, he services it. And then eventually he will trade that in on a new bike. And it's a it's really nice little circle. Um, and so we knew that we had to get new bikes through because if we don't get new bikes through, we can't service them. We can't then trade them in on more new bikes. Anyway, long story short, he phoned up. He, um, gently in his words twisted their arm in other words he basically put his foot down and said right send me some bikes otherwise i'm going down the road and they mm. sent him some bikes um nice and they even gave him a discount which was pretty cool because he pays up front and full um for the bike so he doesn't have to wait till normal terms of trade uh to right. kick in pays for it straight up and got an extra margin on it so he had a huge win in fact he just made um about $60,000 extra just on the uh, the increased margin that he made on those bikes, which was pretty cool. 
Excellent. Awesome. So what's our what's our uh, topic today? Well, so um, often we get, and you know this, we get asked, hey, I've, what's, what's the biggest problem in business? Often the biggest one is I don't sell enough stuff. So I thought today to kick off, we'll just start off with um, selling stuff. I want to sell more stuff. How do I sell more stuff? Um, and as our reference point for um, selling more stuff, we'll go to the to the book uh, because the book is, a, is is the right place for us to sort of to start. Um, so the best small business in the world. Um, and this is what if you want to grow your your business and specifically in this in this context, your sales. What do we actually get? What can we take from the book? Okay. So if selling more stuff is the outcome, more sales. What comes before that? What comes before the outcome? So we work backwards from that point, right? So the first question I would do uh, with somebody who says, I want to sell more stuff is I'd ask them around um, their, um, their repeatable systems. So in um, reality check number five in the book um, and the best small business in the world, um, it's a reality check about systems. So do you have a sales system? System or process? And if they do, and, and often they don't, and which is fine, it's just part of life here. You know, we, we don't have a system necessarily for everything. Um, and then I'd look at your competitors. Because the reason that you're not selling some stuff could be as a result of your competitors. Um, and then I'd take those things and I go, okay, well, let's look at your brand. Brand, and then I look at your target market. So under, under branding is, is your target market sort of stuff, right? Well, Sorry, take, a pause, take a pause for a second and explain what is a brand? What's our, what's our definition? A brand? Ooh, yeah, good question. So um, interesting question when you, when you actually ask. Those are really, really big questions, right? Huge questions. Um, a brand is the symbol of your business, but it's more than a, a more than a logo. Brand is is a logo is part of a brand, but a brand is not a logo. Um, a brand is the things that your um, constituents or your target market associate with your business. So when they think of when you think of Nike, what do you think of? Athletic shoes, quality. Um, you might think of um, maiden sweatshops, <laughs> stuff like that. I don't know. Um, but there'll be some 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 attributes that you associate with that brand, and same as a big business, Nike, Apple, all that sort of stuff. They have brands, very very well um, managed brands, and then every single small business. When you walk by your local coffee shop, like, what do you think when you see that local coffee shop? Is it upmarket, um, just a normal high street place, or is it sort of uh, real entry level, basic food and 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 low quality that sort of stuff? So, it's all the things that you associate with that business. Uh, we think of a brand as uh, a logo or um, something like that, but it's way more than that. It's much more than that. It's the customer experience. It's the logos. It's the way that people are treated. It's the, it's the whole experience of, of being associated with a business. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I, I tend to think of it as what they think of you. What does your, as what, what does your customer think of you? Right. That's, the, that's what I was trying to say when I took five minutes longer. Um, 
So under the brand thing, and this is in, in the book as well, uh, and there's actually a process to go through. Before you want to sell more, you've got to make sure that you're actually saying the right things to the right people. So well, that, um, that goes right to the target customer, right? The right people. Yeah. So, so who is your target customer? The only the only wrong answer, by the way, to who who is your target customer is everybody. everybody. Right. Right. You know, That's really the only wrong answer. You know, the really interesting thing. So there's an exercise in the book about your, your target market, right? So this is really good exercise. And um, this is an exercise that I've been using. I've owned two advertising agencies, by the way. So I know a little bit about, about branding. But your target market is can be defined by, by three things, um, demographics, psychographics, and um, 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 behaviors. So the stuff that they do. And most people just sit there and go, my target market is... Uh, I'll give you an example. My target market is women between 18 and 65. And I'm like, no, I don't think that that is your target market. Um, this was from a client of mine years ago. And um, they were a, a clothing shop. And it was a, a, a big box clothing shop. And they said, our target market is 18 to 65-year-old woman. Think about it like this, right? So I'm not a woman, but... An 18-year-old woman, how much change does their life go through between the ages of 18 to 21? And the people in the group, they all said, oh, yeah, quite a bit. Yeah, yeah I'm a different person. To, uh, I was a different person at 21 than what I was at 18. I said, okay. Then go from 21 to 25. How much of a difference is that? Oh, it's, it's quite a difference, quite a massive difference. You know, 21, probably at university, um, 25, probably out of university and first job, maybe in a romantic situation, possibly married, possibly not, maybe, you know, doing all that sort of stuff, probably has traveled um, to some extent. What about 30? 30, oh yeah, 25 to 30, yeah, massive changes, maybe a parent by that stage, might be married, long-term relationship, um, 35, anyway, all, went all the way up, 65, almost ready for retirement if, if they haven't retired already. So an 18-year-old person and a 65-year-old person are chalk and cheese, even though they're both women and they both, you know, have needs to buy clothing and all that sort of stuff. So what we identified, and this is the, 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 the tool is in the book, that you need to talk to a person. And the narrower that you can define that person, the more useful it is. Because the purpose of having a target market is to define the language that you use when you're actually having a conversation. So if I'm having a conversation with, an 18-year-old woman and a 65-year-old woman, possibly the language and the things that we focus on will be different. So that's why target market is really important because it helps you define the language to use um, before you before you do that. Um, so can I just chime in here? Because you know we said the target market, everybody's the wrong answer. Too big a spread is the wrong answer. And you know the other, so two, two things, and we can kind of, something that goes into client stories as well. The, the narrower you can focus on your niche until you get to about $10 million or so, generally the more successful you're going to be. Okay, and, and the more you can potentially charge and you can specialize and really, really provide something. Everybody's afraid of doing that or a lot of people are afraid of doing that because they think it's gonna to be too small an audience, they won't sell enough. But what's our principle? You focus in on the niche, on the target, customer, you really defined who that who that person is, you have that avatar, and then you delight them. 
And when you delight the few, what happens, Matt? Delight the few, um, um, you you get the many because yeah, you attract people, the many. You attract the many because people look over their shoulder and go, "How come they're having such a good time over there?" And exactly. um, yeah, so so you target market, and, and it's also when people do this is they look at their customers, and they go, "It's our most common customer." Well, it, it might not be. It might be. I'm not saying it's not, but it might. Even not if be. it is, are they the ones that you want, or the, and are they the ones you want to design your whole offering around? So, and that's where the target market exercise in the book. We look at three three parts to a really good understanding of your target market, and you've got to have all three. Um, so, um, so well, yeah, and but, and that's where that you mentioned the demographic. I think too often we rely and people rely on the demographic relationship, right? The 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 definitions and and do that. But think about as you just mentioned the commonalities among that demographic, and could you further define that person? Um, you know psychographically, behaviorally. And those are, again, some of the things that we break down in the book, but you can think about that and start to identify better who those ideal customers are. Who do you love working with? That's kind of what it comes down to. Totally. And, and your point about, um, you know, uh, the, the, the narrower you define your market, the more that you will delight those people and the more people will look over their shoulder and go, hey, what's all that about? I've got a really good example of exactly that, right? So there is a fashion brand um, that you can jump on. I'm not sure what their website is, but I have seen because it was forwarded to me from a friend of mine. And it's called Freddie. And Freddie make um, pants predominantly, but clothing for women to show off their curves, shall we say. It is all about tight, um, hugging, fitting clothing with people who want to show off their curves and to be noticed. And they have this, this bottom lift, bum lift pair of jeans that they sell. And apparently that is the new cool thing to wear is a pair of jeans that lifts their butt. And, and hey, I think that's fantastic. But they've got a whole business built on the style of the jeans and what it does to a, a woman's butt, which I think is just amazing. Talk about niche marketing, their market, as far as I could tell, and as far as we had a discussion about it with some mates of mine uh, last week, female friends, by the way, um, were females in their 20s who want to um, be admired for their bottoms, which I thought was a very specific target market. But I'm not, I'm not sure it wouldn't be successful. I think this company is actually quite successful. It's an, I know it's an international company anyway. So yeah, target market. So start with target market. And then you go into the whole brand promise thing. You're not going to sell more stuff until you get those things right and you're actually talking to the right people. Because if you get all this stuff right, you get your, you know, your brand promise. And, and that, all that sort of stuff, right? Eventually, you'll get some people going to the top of your funnel, right? Your sales funnel. And think about, and I'm a really bad drawer, by the way, so don't ever expect much from me, but I'll put up a smile on their face. There you go, have a few days. And they come into your sales funnel. Now, some people will bounce out of your funnel because they'll figure out that what you sell is not what they want. But eventually, if you want to sell more stuff, which is this part here, which is sell more stuff, sell more stuff, sell more stuff, then you're going to get some people in your funnel and then you have a sales process. Process in here that actually converts them into customers. I'll give you a really good example of this. These guys here, Long time clients of mine, they're a 
one of the biggest building firms in the world, and I deal with their biggest um, branch. And these guys build, uh, I think, up to about sort of six or 700 homes a year um, just around where I live, which is pretty amazing when you actually think about it. Anyway, long story short, they came to me with the same problem a few years ago. And we couldn't do anything about the brand because it was a franchise. Um, but we, we really quickly identified that their sales process wasn't up to the mark. Uh, they were talking to the right people. They were having the right conversations, but they weren't getting them across the line. So we broke this. We broke the sales process down into a series of milestones with many milestones along the way. And by defining the sales process, and it's literally there's 27 parts to it, but there's only like four milestones, uh, and each part works towards a milestone. And we put in subtleties. And one of the subtleties was. Uh, a guy called Bob Delu, who's the owner of the business, um, he would make an um, scheduled but random uh, stop in to see um, uh, people who are looking at buying a property. And they'd say, oh, there's the owner of the business, Bob. And Bob is about six foot ten, um, wears work boots, goes on site every day. He just like he doesn't want to be in the office. He doesn't have any interest in that. He just wants to be out working around building houses. He walks around with a level to make sure that everything that's got his name on it has uh, is level and fl uh, flush and straight and that sort of thing. He's basically our own or their own internal uh, quality control guy who owns the company. Anyway, long story short, we would schedule a spontaneous visit by him to the customers to say, hey, you're thinking, oh, I'm Bob, I own the business. We'll take good care of you and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, so we built a sales process. We went from a conversion rate. Now, bear in mind, this, these are you know million-dollar houses. These are high-end uh, properties. We went from a conversion rate in the, in the low teens, which is still pretty good for that industry, into the mid-30s. In other words, 30% of their customers were now buying our house. Now, bear in mind all the, the things that got in the way of people buying houses, finance, uh, availability of land, um, timeframes. Often people, um, when they build houses, don't realize how long it actually takes, all that sort of stuff. So there's all these different things that get in the way. But they more than doubled their conversion rate because they had a really good sales process. Um, and maybe in a future podcast, Daddy, we could talk about what that would, what what a, what a sales process looks like, and how you would actually build one. Hopefully, make some make some sense. Um, and yeah, maybe we could talk. Maybe maybe in one of our future podcasts, mate, we could talk about how to build a sales process. Sure. Um, I mean, we're going to be talking all things business, so. Uh, exactly. And that's not necessarily covered in here, but all the other stuff is like you know the um, the systems and processes about the computers, computer analysis. That's I think that's. Uh, reality check number four, we do a competitive analysis and we ask you some really interesting questions about your about your competitors. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if you want to learn more about the book, you can just simply visit thebestbusinessintheworld.com, thebestbusinessintheworld.com, or reach out to one of us on LinkedIn. I mean, we're easy to find. Uh, Matt Fitzsimmons, business doctor, Sturdy McKee. I mean, there aren't that many Sturdy McKees, just two in my house, but um, you can certainly find us. Uh, He's Matt, I'm Sturdy, and we look forward to seeing you on the next one. We'll see you next week.